You're listening to an EG Cities podcast. I'm Tim Burke, EG's Deputy Editor, and you're about to hear a panel discussion about Cambridge, and specifically its position as a hub for technology and not just, as some would have it, life sciences. Joining me to discuss what tech has done for development in Cambridge, the growth opportunities for the sector, and what the city is doing to retain and grow talent, are Wei Meng, Head of Innovation and Director of Operations at Tusk Park Cambridge, James Parton, Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre, Claire Ruskin, Executive Director at Cambridge Network, and Mark Taylor, Director and Head of Business Space at Savile's Cambridge Office. Here's the conversation. Mark, if we look at Cambridge office take-up and the kind of companies, the kind of sectors that are driving activity, what will that tell us about the strengths of the city's economy and where growth is coming from? How how might different parts of the tenant base have shifted and where do, where do the science and tech uh, sectors sit within that in terms of activity you see at the moment? So at the risk of not trying to be controversial with the press, I think the press tends to distort the Cambridge market by believing that Cambridge is all about test tubes and life science, when in fact its historical base is more about R&D and technology. And I get somewhat frustrated the way the the press and I guess the general coverage of Cambridge almost ignores the fact that it has a very strong R&D tech history, uh, particularly in um, the AI sector. Um, So I think if you were to actually lift the covers of the take up, you would see, um, for example, on the Science Park, MathWorks and um, Roku is good examples of, of not being big lab takes. Now, the counter argument would be well there's been no lab take up because there are no labs but historically the labs have always been there and they've always been clustered down in the south um and i don't think you're going to see much in the way of reported take up until um spades start going in the ground and developing some of the pipeline that you are seeing will come through in the next two years absolutely agree with that so knowledge intensive is the phrase that we typically use for the high skill businesses around here and they are diverse and that diversity the cross-sector work that we do has been our strength uh, in Cambridge and it supports the agile growth even through pandemic times. So the cross-sector nature of the work that we do is very important to us and we must keep that going. So it is not just about life sciences, that's very important, but it's really important that life sciences joins in with the AI businesses, with the tech businesses, with the communications businesses. Are those links strong at the moment? Clearly, a lot of the work you're doing is is trying to bring different parties and parts of the business community together. Is that um is that an easy task? Are you pushing it at an, at an open door there to help build those bridges? It tends to be thought of as very easy because it's networking, not working, all very fluffy and lovely. <laughs> um, but actually, the skill is in making the connections that are productive. So adding two and two together to make fifteen is quite hard. And is quite technical. You need to understand why the benefit of this particular AI solution might help that particular life science solution and try and get people together efficiently on that one. Yeah, I was also going to just um, say that, you know, at the Bradfield Centre, we're exclusively focused on tech. So uh, we're kind of seeing a real uh, surge in demand from startups in in the area. and I think, as as Claire noted and Mark noted, you know, there's by far more tech startups than there are life science companies in Cambridge and the surrounding area. 
Um, so we've seen a real positive demand for, in particular, flexible space. Um, obviously, that suits startups very nicely in terms of that uncertainty and their growth. So having a flexible offer allows them to scale as and when they find success and as and when they raise capital, etc. So I think it's a nice fit. Has the demand for flex changed post-pandemic of shifts in working practice maybe accelerated what you were already seeing just stepped it up a stepped it up a notch first and foremost the, the kind of byproduct of offering flexible meant that we were hit really hard when lockdown uh, arrived you know it's fairly easy for for our members to leave um, as they were facing the uncertainty around the lockdown and, and the pandemic um, what's been reassuring though is they've come back really strongly and uh, and actually we're now full again which is fabulous but yeah their expectation absolutely has changed which has been good in so much as it's forced us to think about our offer and kind of innovate with with our products so just a couple of examples um you know we've we've um we've introduced new flexible packages which we call home flexi just to kind of uh, appeal to the uh, the members that want to spend time at home as well as a couple of days in the office. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of having that hybrid approach now where they're not in the office all the time. Um, also, previously, prior to pandemic, we sold our space on a desk basis. Um, but now we've kind of become a little bit more flexible in terms of selling it on a membership basis, which means you could take, for example, like a 12 person, a 12 desk office. But actually, we can sell you more memberships for that same space because not all of those 12 people are going to be in at any one time. So effectively, we're seeing companies pooling their memberships and spreading their attendance throughout the week, which I think is an interesting development. Um, and I think, um, you know, people have suddenly realised they they expect more from their work environment. So we're very lucky to be on the science park where we benefit from a huge amount of like uh, green space and, and open space. So I think people are much more mindful now about having that um, ability to get fresh air, go for walks during their lunch breaks, etc. Um, they want more collaboration space as well, because for those people that are working from home, the time they spend in the office now is less about getting their head down and just working. It's actually meeting colleagues and actually having the social side of work and actually doing more strategy and planning and collaborative work. So, you know, I think there's going to be a need to think about that in the design of buildings, which thankfully the Bradfield Centre has got a lot of collaboration space already built into it. Way, um, Mark was talking about uh, about the need to get spades in the ground. Um, what do you, what's your take on the supply needs within within Cambridge across parks such as your own city centre offices the the various types of real estate play that different segments of the city's uh, business population are, are going to be looking for and who's stepping in to to meet that need? Uh, well, I I think in, in terms of supply uh, there is definitely a, a shortage I would say at the moment. Uh, well, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Mark mentioned both uh, Maxworks and Roku. Th those are uh, our two large legends uh, in in the past year. Uh, I think um, twenty twenty one uh, when two of our buildings, that's uh, Unit One and Unit Two, Cambridge Science Park, uh, when they uh, became available to the market, I think those are probably the, the, the only ones available around that uh, 100,000 square feet 
uh, available to the market, grade A uh, offices. Um, so yeah, for for the likes of uh, uh, MathWorks and Roku, because they 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 were back then they were scaling up, and those those are the pretty much the, the those were the only um, options uh, for them. So so they took them. Um, but yeah, as I, as I said, there is clearly a a shortage of supply in the market. Which, um, uh, well, if we look 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 at it from a, a capital uh, market perspective, there there were also quite a few uh, transactions uh, in the market uh, during the the past year. Uh, the the yield has been driven down a lot. I think offices. To what 4.25 percent uh, lapsed to even lower than that. So that that tells you, uh, well, from a numbers point of view, what what's what's going on, what's happening around. So there's definitely a, a shortage of supply. I just talk about one of the things that the real estate um, community have responded with, which is great mm. densification. So huge developments, um, but for example, the science park has gone from single story shacks um, which were there in the, uh, the early days to now multi-story grand buildings with facilities and the station road environment which of course we attract a lot of people in from London to come and work in Cambridge has gone from Victorian houses to again multi-story dense um, population and this is really good because 26% of the population in Cambridge cycle to work so we rely on a network of a, a necklace of development sites where people can actually get to and from. So the real estate development of densification, big developments with transport is is vital to us going forward. Claire, I was going to ask how the city fares when it comes to retaining talent. There's obviously so much coming out from um, from the university. How is Cambridge doing when it comes to, I, I guess, bring, bringing in talent, nurturing what's there, and then importantly, holding on to it, both in terms of individuals, and maybe also to to, to Way's point, if, if companies can't find the real estate they need, they'll have to look elsewhere, elsewhere too. So the good news is we have a huge number of vacancies, which of course is bad news if you're trying to fill them. Um, we have grown, even through the pandemic, something like 11% employment uh, increase, which is pretty phenomenal going through that time. Now, that means that the companies are all trying to grow and the development sites are all typically saying they want to double over the next few years, the number of employees. So congestion becomes the issue that we're trying to deal with ahead of time rather than after time. Retention of Cambridge University graduates is an interesting point. So I spend quite a lot of my thinking time going into the engineering department, for example, and trying to persuade people not to just go into the city and push paper around, dare I say it, but actually come and be engineers, scientists and create things, create innovation, be entrepreneurs. And through that course, we do retain more graduates than we might otherwise do. Mark, you talked about... Um the pipeline and schemes that 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 are filling out that um, that availability when we look ahead. What what does that look like at the moment? I, I'm not sure whether you're able to put precise numbers on it, but um, is um, well, is there enough in the works? Do you think that 
we're probably not going to meet the huge amount of supply that, that we know is out there, but uh, does it look slightly better when you look ahead at schemes that might be delivered over the coming two, three, four, five years? Yeah, cast your eye out two to three years' time. It looks like a rosy, potentially, dare I say, oversupply. Really? Um, it's always very hard to sort of judge as to um, the level of consumption or need, should we say, for corporates. But if I was going out looking today and I knocked on James's door, he would tell me I've got a three-month waiting list because I did that recently on the Bradfield Centre. Um, so, and certainly with clients that I'm going around with at the moment looking for space in Cambridge, where I am agreeing or finding something that suits the clients, um, I am back into uh, what you sometimes have to do in markets. Uh, it's called lockout clauses okay. um, to make sure that you protect the space. And there is a lot of principle to principle, um, I'm going to say not conviction, using the principle to principle contact to give comfort to the developer investor that this client is not there on a whim. They are there to perform um, on that aspect. So, yes, the supply, it will come through. Um, I don't want to point fingers or anything, but we all know that across the country, planning systems are very slow to react. Cambridge has its own reputation. Um, and that is probably a balance of local politics. Uh, Cambridge has always um, got its own little colourful approach to these attributes. Um, but it's also, it's just a lack of planning officers to make end decisions. Um, I think that is where the clog in the system is. I think Claire was probably beginning to hint on this. My, my real personal worry is, and this is driven from when I've been in the car with clients driving around looking for space, they often say to me, Mark, why on earth are we coming here? We can't find space. We can't afford the housing. And I look at them and say, you're coming here because of the university. And they say, you are absolutely 100% correct. Now find me something. Um, but in passing, they will say, right, we'll start to look in Grenoble or Zurich or somewhere else. Um, because I think the, the off UK shoreline is, is a serious threat to a, an alternative location. You were talking about your overseas travels what i mean yeah. what can cambridge learn from um, from well, other international what, what, what cities I can say is, 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 is a, a celebration of the uk actually because i was actually quite i haven't I've, according to my flight path i've been to through san francisco 31 times in the last 20 odd years and each time i go through san francisco i come back enthused frustrated thinking there's so much business still to flow this way this time I came back actually rather sad because San Francisco has, has really gone off the edge of a cliff in terms of um, appalling homelessness. Um, the downtown markets, the city centre, the core areas where you'd go and meet clients are deserted. So, And the same could be said of Boston where I was also there as well. The downtown markets are deserted. So the life science sectors are back in because you can't obviously work at home with a test tube. Um, the hardware sector therein software are still working from home and they are quite clearly and they don't like to publish it in the press sensitive to litigation lawyers and class action um, i heard several facilities managers use the words that they are still scared about coming back into the office and that phone booths which they install on the floors are there for those who want to put a toe in the water and think about returning to the office so I think we are way ahead in terms of um, people back in the office and having buzzing downtown markets. Um, the life science sector, again, the big difference, I think, between the UK and the US, which is why you're seeing so many US investors coming over, is the sheer amount of capital that goes into the quality of the space that they are building and the way the labs sit alongside the offices. They are now at, I've used the expression, five-star hotel standard 
where you don't you almost have to take a double blink to see the quality of the lab space alongside the office space um it is at a and i think what we're seeing is the um the closing trajectory between technology software and life science now really now starting to converge because of the amount of data you can store up in the cloud and the way that is now applied in life science so technology is now beginning to rustle alongside because you often hear about google being the next sort of big healthcare because we all wear Fitbits. Um, it's, that, it's that sort of base psychology. Um, so I think um, there's still a next sort of wave of discovery still to come through in terms of the, the let's call it the, the modernization of life science and blending with technology and therefore how you build and design and use these buildings. So in a way, it may be advantageous that we haven't actually rushed and put spades in the ground to build buildings because we just need to keep a very close eye on the, um, will we still need the magic number of 4.2 metres slab to slab for life science? We may not going forward. James and Wei, um, Mark touches there on on the push to get people back into the office. What are you seeing in, in both of your premises across, I, I'm assuming there will be some tenants who, as Mark says, um, simply can't can't do the job at home and therefore it's a it's an absolute necessity to return there will be other companies which are offering are offering more flexibility here what trends are you seeing in terms of occupancy well, perhaps not occupancy but usage changing and um and how companies are going about encouraging that uh, james maybe if, if you could take that first yeah um i think i think um as we said from an occupancy perspective we're 100 percent full However, we don't have the same amount of footfall on a daily basis in the building. So I think that goes back to that point about uh, companies thinking about which days of the week they're coming in, spreading their people throughout the week in the office. So just having a slightly more flexible approach to working, um, you know, some of their teams working from home on certain days, et cetera. Um, our, our communal space, though, because we're open to the public on the ground floor. So our cafe has been extremely busy over the last few months. And I think that's partly because some of the cafes in the corporate buildings on the Science Park haven't reopened. So we're seeing people come to us for that. Um, what's been a little bit slower to come back is the event programme. So if people aren't aware, we have a an auditorium inside the building which we offer to the local tech community to run small scale events and meetups, etc., to support the local community. Um, that's been slower to come back. I think people are still trying to figure out when's the right time to come back to in-person events and they've experimented with things like hybrid events and streaming and all these kinds of things. But um, looking ahead to September to the end of the year, our bookings are actually pretty much solid now from for the second half of the year. So I think I think that confidence has returned and people are now planning and, you know, we're starting to get back to that kind of 40, 50, 60 people in a room kind of event. So I think uh, I think uh, slowly the uh, the kind of uh, the confidence is returning and uh, the building's filling up again and we're back to that kind of buzz in the place, which is which is great. Way, are you seeing that confidence bounce back as well? Definitely. James, I'm actually, I think you can tell from my surroundings. You're I'm, I'm in the Bradfield <laughs> Center today. I was trying to, to book a meeting room for this recording, but this, this phone booth is the only thing I can find <laughs> around. Uh, so I think th this tells you very lively uh, what what this uh, this sector is like. And uh, uh, well, just just on on top of of this, uh, we we operate a uh, the Bio Innovation Center uh, on the Science Park, 
that's a very uh, lab-based building. So throughout the pandemic, we we haven't shut it. Uh, it's it's kept open, but in terms of uh, uh, well, how 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 much personal activity uh, there there is available on the day, it's it's probably twenty thirty person. But now that's also back live uh, as well. I, I think it's it's for for the larger uh, tech companies. Uh, I think that they they are slower uh, in terms of getting uh, people back. But uh, I, I would say people definitely definitely miss uh, this kind of uh, mingling, mixing, uh, chatting with people. Hence, uh, well, the thing I, I described earlier. Can I can I add that people are very much back to the party scene as well. So um, the social events are popular and um, it's a delight to be getting back to those face to face. The things like training and meetings, which are more commodity meetings, if you like, which can happen very efficiently on screen, are still seen as pretty efficient doing it that way. But actually getting back, cooperating and then having the social life uh, very much uh, front of mind. We've got our headline, Cambridge's party scene is back. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I actually was late for this because um, the client I was with before, we couldn't actually find a meeting room in their building because everyone was uh, back in today. Um, so I'm sitting in a fora now. And again, I had to go to the top of fora to get um, someone to find me a, a, a meeting place to sit and have this call. Would you have thought a year ago that that was a problem you'd be Absolutely not. I used to go around service operating and look horrified at this sort of um, the echo effect. <laughs> I think it has surprised a lot of people how quickly, I'm not going to say everything has returned to normal because I don't think it has, no. but, um, but the degree to which people have enjoyed coming back together in the office or in or you know you're in you're in a, a sort of co-working space some of these outlets as well um i think it's a really it's a really positive development to see how quickly that's bouncing back i think i, I would like to flag though that i was warning landlords back in 2017 that if they didn't actually sharpen up their act and start turning their buildings into more of a hotel mindset um i, I could just see it with clients who are already changing the way they use their space and I would go around big tech campuses in Silicon Valley. My question at the end would always be, where are all the people? So this is nothing new. It was already coming at us down the pipe. Yeah, just to echo Mark's, Mark's point, um, you know, the Mantle operate the Bradfield Centre and we also operate other centres around Cambridge and the uh, region. And uh, it's now un not unusual to see um, requests for flexible space for 100 plus people. Um, you know, whereas we kind of tend to think co-workings for the smaller startups, you know, the kind of, I don't know, you know, four to 30 kind of size company. Actually, now it's pretty commonplace to get requests for 100 plus. Um, we actually opened Nine Hills Road during the lockdown, which on paper seemed insane, <laughs> but it's actually completely full uh, and it was full very quickly uh, with some very large, sizable members. So to Mark's point, I think these larger companies now are looking for more of that experiential space and also just flexibility, obviously. And we've also got the very biggest companies, the Samsungs of the world, coming to Cambridge in order to set up a, a real physical zone here. So it is to attract the best people into it um, to then operate for worldwide companies. So there is a huge demand for that sort of space where you can bring together a flexible Cambridge-based team to operate around the world. Um, we've, we've got all the big ones, the, the Apples, the Amazons, the Siemens, all, all here with small branches 
which all want to grow as far as I can tell to 200 to 400 to 600 plus. There's um there's been a lot of talk recently about the government's support for the 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 broad Oxford Cambridge arc and whether it's standing by some of the statements that, that were made in the past about that being that being a real priority. If there is some lessening of public sector support for for the for the arc as a project as an initiative how much does that matter i mean when we're talking about these huge international names still keen to to make part of their home in cambridge can the will the private sector just push ahead and grasp the opportunities on its own regardless of of whether platitudes come from government about the importance of the arc what are your thoughts on on that i think this is really important it's it's vital for the uk that we have some a star regions so we we have to have some golden eggs that we can sell in the world and the government has a lot of politics to get through and we all have philosophical arguments with ourselves but if we don't take a few places from a to a star and keep them at a triple star taking a whole load of places from c to b will not help us overall as a country so ignoring Cambridge, the Golden Triangle, the Ark, uh, is a perilous journey, even though the private sector can take up a lot of the slack itself, it cannot make the whole area shine out to the world as easily without some government support. And things like transport, um, building the necklace of sites that we have out with transport to get people to and from work, you cannot have the 26% of people who like cycling to work um, traveling beyond their capacity. So we do need some travel hubs, transport systems. I, I think no, I think that's good because to me, the, the, the government's backing is all about transport. The private sector is all about building the, the build, building the real estate, be it residential or commercial. And there is an argument to say that the private sector will just still plow ahead if they're underpinned by the golden egg. And the government doesn't need to be um, making statements on the content or the businesses themselves. It just needs to enable the infrastructure or even more ethereally, it needs to not block the, the work going on. I just had a last question, and it's back to that idea that we started with um, from Mark about people perhaps, and maybe it is partially the fault of the media, having a having a set and maybe stereotypical idea of Cambridge's strengths and, and not appreciating the bigger picture. I was going to ask each of you just for a final thought on what what our listeners might not be thinking about when they think of Cambridge, but should be. What what might people be missing because we're focusing on so on some very obvious headlines and perhaps, dare I say it, stereotypical ideas of the city and its economic strengths? Um, I was going to ask each of you just for a quick answer to that. James, I wonder if I could turn to you to, to kick us off just with those final thoughts. Well, there's a question. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, <laughs> you know, whilst it's uh, there's absolutely no question that the university is the, you know, the jewel in the crown in the city and and certainly is the reason so many companies choose to base themselves here. Um, there is actually, you know, when you the last time I ran the numbers for the Bradfield, which was just prior to lockdown, actually 60 percent of the people in our building have never been to Cambridge University. So, you know, it isn't just about the university. It's actually quite diverse and there is actually quite a pull across the region uh, bringing younger people into the city. Um, there is that challenge of the cost of housing for them to actually live in the city. And that, so they're probably commuting in. But actually, um, 
you know, when you when you look at it, don't just assume that it's Cambridge grads staying in Cambridge to build Cambridge businesses. It's actually really diverse and actually, um, you know, there's a, an awful lot of uh, support that the city provides for the wider region. Wei, what do you think people um, people might not be thinking about, but that you'd want them to when they when they look to Cambridge and the opportunities there? Well, when I uh, first came to Cambridge, uh, I think Cambridge to me was more more like a town uh, rather than city. Uh, but I, I think over the the past few years, uh, there there have been uh, loads of developments around. Uh, I think both in terms of well for, for the university. But also for the city, uh, this this has been a quite special period uh, in, well, say, the last couple hundred years uh, times. So the, the city is, is growing. The city is is in a very uh, well paced uh, stage of growth. And I think internationally, uh, people uh, say within the states, uh, in China, in the Middle East, are more and more. Uh, recognizing uh, Cambridge as a, as a hub of innovation, uh, or as a, I think previously we called Cambridge Silicon Sen, uh, things like this. So people are more recognizing, capitals are uh, more aware of this, and capitals are coming. Yeah, I think, yes, this is comments from my side. Claire, over to you. For me, cross sector commercial work and diversity of ideas keep Cambridge at the leading edge really important that we keep that diversity and mark i know you made your frustrations clear at the start but anything anything to add that you think is um, being, that you think is being missed about the city and what it, yeah, and what I, it I would say to any party coming in as an investor uh, understand what ai is and how far and deep its tentacles are that might then give you a reason to maybe accelerate your investment and or push the button earlier on construction thank you to our guests for joining this discussion and to Savills for its support of the podcast. For more conversations like this, as well as all the latest real estate news and analysis, head to egi.co.uk forward slash news.